We're going to talk about babes, and we're going to talk about soldiers. And uh, we all love our babies. Uh, we, uh, we just, sometimes we want them to stay babies. You know, we love them so much. And uh, they're very, very special to us. Very special. And, uh, but babies grow up. They grow up. It's a natural process of things. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at babes in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1 <clears throat> says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. Now, <clears throat> When a person comes to Christ, when they obey the gospel and are buried in baptism and washed of their sins in the blood of Christ, it makes us all happy. It fills us with joy. There's joy in heaven when that occurs. But to remain a babe in Christ is not God's plan. It's, it's not as simple as we obey the gospel and we punch our ticket and that's it. You see? So how long a babe? If a person was baptized a week ago, two weeks ago, a few months ago, it's understandable that they're still in the infant stage. They're still growing, and we're all still growing. But if you're a babe, after a year, and two years, and three years, and five years, there's some people that remain babes until they're, they've been babes for 20 or 30 or 40 years. And that's not God's plan. It's not His plan. 1 Corinthians 3 and 3, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men. What does that mean, carnal? It means fleshly. Walking as men. In other words, a person obeys the gospel, yet in their life, they walk as a man. They follow what their heart tells them. What they want to do. Their desires. And they follow after these things instead of God. <clears throat> they refuse to grow. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. You ever been there? You ever been there? Have you ever obeyed the gospel? 
and find yourself months or years later trying to relearn what you were originally taught. That's the state of being a babe. <clears throat> Remaining a babe, but carnal-minded, in Mark chapter 4, 19, Jesus describes uh, this predicament. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of, of other things entering in choke the word and it become unfruitful. We all know people, loved ones, and friends that we were filled with joy when they obeyed the gospel. Tears of joy. And they're not here. They don't come to worship. And they're following their own path in the world. Following their heart. Doing things that God does not, that He forbids. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 5 and 13. For everyone that is, useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. They know very little about the scripture, they haven't spent time in it, they have filled their mind with other things. When the world is not replaced by the Word. <clears throat> For if after they have escaped the pollutions of this world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein. And overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow was washed to her wallowing in the mire. It's a very vivid picture of the state that Christians end up in when they remain babes and they don't mature. You know, <clears throat> World War II at that time was called the war to end all wars. And then World War II came along. And it was the war to end all wars. And then Korea, and then Vietnam, and then uh, the conflicts in the Middle East. Those are not wars to end all wars. But there's a war that's been fought since Adam and Eve. And it's still being fought today, and it's the real war. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, if you think that it's just a cartoon, it's not a cartoon. Because that's what the world has convinced, that's what Satan has convinced the world of what he is. He does not exist. Or he is some kind of cartoonish figure. But I tell you that the Bible, he has many, many titles in the Bible. A few of them are the father of lies, the adversary, the dragon, the lion who roams around seeking who he, whom he may devour, the prince of this world. 
That's what the Bible says about the devil, and that's the adversary. That's the battle that we fight, and that's the battle that each and every human being fights, whether they know it or not. So what wins the fight? What wins it? Now, those of you who watch boxing, they if you see a guy and, uh, you know, uh, if he's fighting with his arms out here like this and swinging, he's unskilled compared to a guy that's has got his hands the proper way and he knows how to throw jabs and punches. He's trained. Now, uh, Matt, <coughs> Matthew, <clears throat> when you go into combat, what succeeds? Somebody who's trained, who takes care of their weapons, who knows how to shoot them, who knows how to wear their armor. That's a soldier who is prepared. He's equipped properly. That's what wins the fight. Babe does not win the fight. <clears throat> First Corinthians 9 and 26, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so I fight not as one that beateth the air. He does not do it purpose without purpose. And he keeps his body under subjection and trains himself for the battle that must be fought. Hebrews 5 and 14 but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of, the, of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What does full age mean? That doesn't mean you're a grown-up, you're an adult. It doesn't mean that you're an elderly person. That's not what that means. It means complete. You can be 13 or 14 years old and be full of age. Is it if if you've if you've honed yourself and you've donned the armor of God and, and studied his word <clears throat> and exercised it, put it into use, practiced it, not just on Sunday, but every single day. Ephesians six and ten, finally, my brethren. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. This idea of standing, holding our ground when the world assaults us, being able to stand. And you men, when you're able to stand, guess what? You're able to protect your family. And there's a better chance that they're able to succeed. And you women, you wives, when you're able to stand, your children see that. And it's a godly example. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read about the armor of God. Now, in, in verse 14 it says, Stand therefore having your loins girt about with the truth. Now, the belt that they used basically tied everything together. And it supported. It gave them freedom of movement. 
so they were able to fight effectively. <clears throat> In verse 6, Jesus, uh, John 14, chapter, uh, verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In chapter 8, verse 31, then said Jesus to the Jews, which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Everybody here has probably told a lie before. Do you know, do you remember that feeling? How a lie handcuffs you? It imprisons you. The truth sets you free. You know what else truth does? When you have truth, when you have the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're girded with that truth, you're able to see a lie. You're able to see false teaching. And you're able to discern between what is evil and what is good and what you should do and what you should not do. It provides guidance. <clears throat> Again in verse 14, having on the breastplate, breastplate of righteousness. Now this, this is one that was really hard for me to understand for a long time. Righteousness. What is that? We know that the breastplate was designed to protect the vital organs to ensure that we're able to stand and continue to fight. But what is righteousness? 1 John chapter 3 and 7, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Mark 3 and 35, For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother, and my sister, and my mother. Righteousness is doing the will of God. How are we going to know what the will of God is unless we read His Word? You see? Because a lot of men will tell you a lot of things. A lot of men, that's, men that stand up behind a pulpit will tell you a lot of things. But the Word of God... The standard of truth. That's how we determine what is righteous. <clears throat> Matthew 5 and 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's how the world knows that you have on the breastplate of righteousness. That's how they know. Because they see they see what you do. They see how you act. And that's the evidence of it. <clears throat> Ephesians 6 and 15. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. <clears throat> now the warrior sandal in this time, or the war uh, soldier sandal, was a very sturdy leather shoe that had hobnails on the bottom of it. Do you know what those hobnails were for? They were so you could stand and not be moved. So you could have a grip. A firm stance. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. <clears throat> 
Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory that I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. What firmer place to stand than on that? The fact that Jesus Christ died for each and every one of us, shed his blood, went to the grave, and rose again. Romans 5 and 1, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. People that have their feet shod with the gospel of peace, have peace, and they have a firm stance. They have a firm place to stand. <clears throat> what does it look like to the world when your feet are shod with the gospel of peace? In Romans 10 and 15, And how shall they preach except they be sent? And as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. This is just not for preachers. It's just not for evangelists. It's not just for elders. It's for each and every one of you. That's what the world should see. They should see you sharing the good news. The shield of faith. Ephesians 6 and 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, the shield at that time was about four and a half feet tall and about two and a half feet wide. I mean, it's a big shield. And they used these shields. <clears throat> Oftentimes, their comrades would lock shields together and create a wall, an impenetrable wall. The shields were often covered with a thick leather covering. And when fiery darts were shot at them, Oftentimes they would bounce off and land on the ground and extinguish. <clears throat> Romans 10 and 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How are we going to have the shield of faith if we don't come to church? How are we going to have the shield of faith if we don't study the Bible? <clears throat> James chapter 2. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show, you, show thee my faith by my works. So, is it faith when a person says, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus Christ, but does nothing? Is that faith? 
James chapter 2 and 19. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. You see, it's not enough to say, I believe. Those are just words. They're good words. James 2 and 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Faith without works is dead. And the fact of the matter is, is if we say that we believe in God and we believe in Jesus Christ, and we don't put it into practice, we don't share it with other people, we don't engage in godly works, that statement becomes hollow. And it leaves our mind. Ephesians 6 and 17. And take the helmet of salvation. We all know what a helmet's for, you know, to protect the mind. Mark 16 and 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Do you know a person who has believed, they've heard, they've believed, they've repented of their old ways. They've confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and are buried in baptism. Do you know what confidence, you know what confidence that gives you? Man, it builds you up. You can hold your head high. Not in self-pride, but in humble strength that the Lord has provided by that salvation. <clears throat> John 10 and 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. No one can take you out of the Lord's hand. No one but you. You can choose to leave. But the confidence that that gives us is immense. The helmet of salvation. <clears throat> the sword, the spirit, which is the word of God. The most powerful weapon known to man. You hear it many times. What can change this world? What can change it? What can change the crime and the, uh, the evil things that go on in our world? All you got to do is click on the news any, any moment of the day and be filled with it. What can change all that? It's not policies. It's not man-made laws. It's the sword of the spirit of truth. 2 Timothy 2 and 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How are we going to know what is right and what is wrong if we don't study the word of God? How are we going to know? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, 
for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. How are we going to know that what we do in this assembly is correct and according to God's will unless we know the Word of God? <clears throat> I had a friend got a brand new Kawasaki dirt bike. I think it topped out at about 120. <clears throat> I was 14, he was 15. He got on this dirt bike at dusk, and as it grew darker, he went started going faster. He ran into a parked Bronco on the side of the road that he didn't see. And the only thing recognizable that was left to him was a face print on the back of that Bronco. I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. If you ever see me going full speed in the darkness and headed toward destruction, I want you to correct me. I want you to admonish me. And that's what the Word of God's here for, to, to provide us with that knowledge and those tools. <clears throat> Hebrews 5 and 14, But the strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who, are, who by reason of use have their senses exercised. Now we've read this before. So I ask you, have you exercised your senses? Do you, do you live this? Do you live it? A soldier of Christ lives this. And it's the only way to put on that armor. When a brother or sister falls, <clears throat> these are very sad stories. <clears throat> People who are strong in the word and have their armor buckled on and over time they start to let that, slip, that shield slip and go lower and lower. And they start dragging their sword. Maybe they sheath it. Maybe they drop it. And they're no longer in church. These are guys that used to get up and preach. They knew the word. And you know what they spend their time doing now? They spend their time in front of a computer screen looking at filthy things. That's what happened. That's what happens. Or they go and drop their sword and they pick up a bottle. And pretty soon all their armor just falls off. <clears throat> How are we going to help those people if we're not armored? How are we going to help them unless we have the Word of God working in our lives? Because there's nothing of man that's going to rescue those people other than letting the Word work through us to pick them up off the ground. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if you've ever been on the ground bleeding out. I have. 
my spiritual life bleeding out. And because, because one man shared the Word of God with me, he picked me up off the ground. <clears throat> How can we do that if we don't let the Word of God work in our life? There's a date that we all got to keep. We may not all die. I don't know. The Lord may come back tonight. He may come back next week. He may come back in a thousand years, 10,000 years. It doesn't matter. He's going to come back, and there's a date we all got to keep. We sang a song just a few minutes ago that said, Behold, He comes. Riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. That day's coming. <clears throat> Revelation 20 and 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Revelations 1 and 7. Behold, he cometh with the clouds. Every eye shall see him, and then they shall also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Even so, amen. If the Lord comes back this afternoon, are you going to be able to stand up and sing with joy? Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. pretty intimidating thought. Can you stand up and sing that? Or will you be like these people that said, and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Are you unsure? Do you know if you have that armor on? Because in the end, when the Lord comes back, He's got a reward beyond our imagination. A place filled with love. A place that has no death, that has no pain, that has no anguish, no disease, no sorrow, no tears. Mark 13 and 26 and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. 